Good evening, Sports Zodians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglialoro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. Recording with you live like we always do here each and every week via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. And we thank you for joining us no matter where you're joining us. We're coming to you daylight this week, but that's okay. We got a good show for you tonight. We'll be joined by Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler in a matter of moments here. And we got some things to talk about tonight. We There was a big controversy last week because the Dallas Cowboys gave C.D. Lamb, who we talked about, uh, the number one draft pick uh, by the Cowboys in the NFL draft a couple weeks ago. They are giving him the number 88, which, of course, is the number uh, that was worn by uh, Michael Irvin, Drew Pearson, Des Bryant. Big names wear that number, and I, I don't really find this to be as controversial as everybody is making it out to be, but we'll talk about that in a little while. Probably get some reactions on week three of the Last Dance documentary. Um, there have been some reports over the last few weeks of ways that baseball uh, would try to reopen things uh, the way the formats would be in terms of the divisions, try to make travel a little more convenient to everyone. Would there be travel? Would they uh, simply play all the games in a neutral site? We'll get into that in a little while. Basketball, uh, the NBA. Uh, Friday apparently is the day that teams are allowed to reopen facilities if they choose to do so. But we'll get into all that with Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler. We are now joined by Dave Hastings. Dave, how you doing? Doing good, Mike. Doing good. How about yourself? Not too bad. Let me just say this right off the bat. I just saw that thing you posted to Facebook uh, about uh, James Avery from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uncle Phil. I was a big fan of that show. I know we've talked about it before. I always loved our old uh, entrance music from the Club Zone days. I I remember the first day I'm on there and you play that, and I didn't know it was coming. And I started started dying laughing. I thought that was was incredible. I thought that was great. Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, that show was a pretty big part of me growing up. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, big fan of that and just seeing like their reactions and just like really kind of getting like it was clear, like how much that he, that man really meant to them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just thought that was a pretty cool video. And, you know, if you're a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air fan, then it's mm-hmm. something, you know, I had no doubt in my mind you were able to enjoy watching. Yeah, he was he was great. And of course, we, we haven't even talked about what he is most known for. Of course, he was the voice of the Shredder in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon from the early 90s, which I grew up with as well. So <laughs> very uh, versatile actor, I would say, James Avery was. Believe it or not, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's one of those uh, did-you-know facts that I remember seeing on uh, some form of social media a few years ago. And if you think about it, it makes all the sense in the world. Because I just remember thinking of, uh, thinking about it when, it first, when uh, I first saw that. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Makes all the sense in the world. 
Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it connects. That's for damn sure. <laughs> it definitely connects. Yep. All right, man. Uh, so I do hope you are uh, good and everything. We're coming here today. And i tell you what I want to start off with before Eric joins us tonight. Obviously not too much going on this week. But I figured the one thing we could start off with. So last week, there was a big controversy because the Cowboys gave C.D. Lamb their first draft pick in this past year's draft. They gave him the number 88. And everybody went ape shit because they gave him this number. And I'm wondering if you're like me. I'm wondering where the controversy is. I mean, honestly, I think it's – Something that's really just being blown out of proportion. Yeah. Um, I mean, if anything, I kind of feel for C.D. Lamb himself. Like, uh, to me, he he apparently wanted to wear number 10, and Jerry Jones was like, uh, no, you're going to 88. And he just w- was like, okay. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I feel more – really, I more feel bad for him. Um, and I'm not going to lie. Like I was a big Cole Beasley fan, so I wouldn't mind seeing the number 10 be worn by a guy that, you know, has a lot of upside and a lot of potential to him. So I think it would have been nice to number 10 get passed along to somebody like him. Mm -hmm. Um, so like that, that I was kind of really, that was more about what bothered me than anything else was that the kid wanted to wear 10 and Jerry Jones just like stepped in. It was like, yeah, no, that's not actually an option for you. Like you're wearing 88. So like, that was really more where my, like if I had an opinion and what bothered me of that whole situation, it's really more that than him wearing 88. I mean, when it's all said and done, it's a number to Mm -hmm. me and you, you know what I mean? Like, yes, like guys that we know were great wide receivers that played for the Cowboys wore 88, but I love Michael Irvin. I don't think he was – he wasn't Jackie Robinson or Mariano Rivera, you know, like these guys that, like, really, like, were truly, truly game changers when it came down to the history of the league as a whole. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, also, yeah. if, if, I, if I might add, you got to remember football numbers are much different than any other sports numbers like baseball and basketball because you don't retire football numbers because you'd run out of numbers after like five years because there's so many players on the teams and everything. That's why they have the rings of honor and everything. So, And it's also due to the fact that the NFL literally has rules that quarterbacks have to be somewhere between, you know, one and – 19, I think. You know, cornerbacks have to have like 20 through 50, like 49, and that's it. You know, offensive. Yeah, yeah, like, so, like, they kind of pin themselves in a corner already Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, yeah, like, you literally can only have this set of numbers based off your position group. So, like, you're already. You know, so yep. it, it really is something that's a little harder. But the fact that he could award 10, and I think that would have been an awesome number to see him wear, like, that sucks. Yeah, and I think I think it was a little cold on Jerry's part, part if, that, if that's how it happened. And, you know, you're putting a lot of expectations on him, but in terms of him having the number, I didn't really care. Didn't really care about it. I thought it was much to do about nothing. 
But I think it means it means more to the players than it does actually mean to the like the fans or coaches or anybody else. Like some of these players have real superstitions, and if they want to wear a certain number and they're able to, then they really should be able to. I agree. I agree with that. But we do have Eric Tressler here with us tonight. Eric, how you doing? I'm all right. I'm trying to guess what you guys are talking about. I have no idea. Well, we had to wait until you came on, so we started to talk about the the non-controversy that exploded last week when C.D. Lamb got number 88 for the Dallas Cowboys. I'll be honest. I did not even see that story come across on newsfeed. <laughs> but, you I mean, Irving is one of the – yeah, no, I, I can't believe I did. So, yeah, I, I don't see it as a big deal. I probably, if I was a rookie coming in, wouldn't choose that number. I would probably ask for a different number, but that's just me. You well, know, make yeah. your own legacy. Don't don't try to piggyback off of somebody else's, especially when he's probably widely considered the greatest Dallas, you know, wide receiver of all time. Some may think that he's presenting a challenge to himself to, to reach those heights, but to me, I think it's just unnecessary and listen, mm-hmm. pick a different number. Well, I mean, Dave, you can go ahead and tell him what you said before. Yeah, so the, the basically, Eric, the story was simply this, that C.D. Lamb came out and said that he wanted to wear number 10 uh, for his rookie season, and Jerry, Jerry Jones stepped in and was like, no, you're going to wear number 88, and now he's going to be wearing number 88. So, like, to me, like, everybody's like, why would you give C.D. 88? Like, you know, it's he he didn't do anything to earn getting that number, like, blah, 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 and, like, really my problem is like jerry like mind your own fucking business and let the kid wear the number he wants to wear and i also like cole beasley so i would have liked to have seen a guy you know that has high expectations wear a number that was worn by a guy that i actually enjoyed watch playing mm-hmm. and i actually still do even in buffalo so yeah I, that that's really kind of where i was going with it but honestly i i 100 percent promise you this has less relevance than even Dak possibly having that party. Like, yeah. that's how – like, so you really didn't miss anything. We were just filling time until you got here. But it's kind of the only bone to pick I would have out of that that situation. Well, actually, if it's okay with Eric, I want to stick with the Cowboys for a minute here because they signed Andy Dalton to a one-year $7 million contract over the weekend. And – you know, it was it was a decent move in terms of getting a backup. I, I really don't like the message this is sending, though, because I'm not saying they did it to let Dak know, hey, you're replaceable, but I just question why you would do it when you're still in the midst of contract negotiation with Dak Prescott. I I, I didn't like the timing of it. I'm, I'm interested in you guys' thoughts on that. Dave, you could start. Honestly, they gave him a one-year deal worth $3 million, and he has to start, I believe, all 16 games to get the Oh, is that, is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, to oh, get okay. the, total, the total $7 million. So, like, it's a backup quarterback contract. That's literally all it is. The only difference is he got a little bit more money because he's a little younger than signing, like, a 38-year-old, you know, Brent Johnson or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, I mean – I have literally, I have absolutely no problem with it because when it's all said and done, if Dak got hurt, I would, I would have faith in Andy Dalton over Cooper Rush to be able to step in and help the team win a game or two. 
do I want him starting 16 games? Does Dallas want him starting 16 games? No. They just did it to get a solid backup. They released Cooper Rush right away, who was a Jason Garrett guy. And what happens less than 24 hours later? The Giants signed Cooper fucking Rush. So, yeah, no, I, it, there's literally not a damn thing about this that bothers me. I'm actually happy with the signing. They get an experienced um, quarterback to be back up to Dak, somebody that's from the Texas area, I believe. And when it's all said and done, it's a one-year deal worth $3 million. And that already includes – Dallas has the salary cap to make room for that. Like, anything people are trying to point at, like, get out of here. The only thing I'll give people is the fact that Jerry Jones has to have at least one redhead somewhere in the building, and that's <laughs> why he signed Andy Dalton. So, nice. whatever. I, I, don't, I think this is another non-story. I just think people use Dallas as clickbait for the type of – the situation we're in. I don't know. I just I question the timing of it. I mean, I get your point and everything. Maybe I am making too much of it, but I, I don't know. Something about it just didn't entirely sit right with me. I like the idea of him being the backup, though. I do. Eric, what do you think? It's, it's, it's super simple here. They did it as insurance so that Dak doesn't hold out. That's all. So now Dak, there's no incentive for Dak holding out because Dallas will just start Andy Dalton. It's just insurance for the Cowboys. It's it's fine, like Dave said. It's a cheap deal. He's a backup QB. He's not there to take the, uh, Dak's place. If Dak wants it, that's Dak's team. It's just insurance in case Dak decides to play hardball and hold out. That's it. Yeah. Like I said, though, I wasn't too crazy about that implication. I mean, I get it because – we remember hearing that he wanted like $40 million, which is entirely too much per year. So if that's the way it is, I'm, I'm, I'm more okay with it, but I don't know. I don't know. I just felt the way I did about it. So Mike, I I get why you would feel that way. It's like, if you really dig deep, yes, it, it doesn't send the greatest message, but at the same time, like Eric just said, like it gives them a solid insurance policy. Dallas has a, a, if, Andy Dalton had to start 16 games for Dallas in the season. It would be the best roster he's ever had to play with mm-hmm. in a 16-game season. The so, best 8-8 eight eight season the Cowboys ever had. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they'll put up stupid numbers and they'll, you know, their no, defense will give no, up it's stupid not, it's not numbers. No, Dalton could put up good. No, he can put up good regular season numbers. We've seen him put up good regular. Uh, we've yeah, seen, he's, he's we've not seen that him do it anymore. He's uh, not. Listen, you're bringing him in strictly as backup. You do not want to have to go into any game this year starting Andy Dalton. Well, I will say. Uh, I, I, I will just, say this. That, that, that's just the bottom line. I agree with you on that one. But let's be honest, this is probably the best backup quarterback Dallas has had in over 20 years. Regardless so. of backup quarterbacks or not, if he has to start for you guys, you're not making the playoffs. That's the difference. Mm. You have a nice, solid 8-8 eight and eight floundering year where you, where you might have some hope with Dalton, or you could just get back signed and, and go for a division title and, and, and possibly more. It's that simple. Uh, I'm going to be honest. Um, I'm okay moving on because while I don't agree with it, I, I would rather Dak be starting anyway. So I, I, I – anyway. Um, Eric, 
I would like to hear you make the argument for Dalton to start over now. I think he could, no, no, I'd no, like no, to no, hear no. You, I'd like to hear you attempt Mike, to, if to you argue that, that side argument. of the show. No, 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 no. I'm not making that argument. I think he'd be better as I think he'd be better you than eight and eight. Don't do it. Listen, listen. I think he would be better than eight and eight with the roster they have around him. I agree with what Dave said on that. I, there's no way I'm making the argument. I didn't hear he Dave be say be- they'd be better than eight and eight with Dalton. I didn't hear that come out of Dave's mouth once. Dave, Dave, you want to chime in on the best roster he'd ever play with? He's ever played with. That's and I, it. I think he would. Where does that put his record? If they, maybe if you have maybe nine and seven if if the ball bounces their way in the game. But. I don't, I don't want to be the one fighting for this point. I'm okay. I'm okay moving on here. I really don't. I really don't. I, I don't want to die on this hill. Well, what we're trying to tell you is you don't have to fight for the point. You I'm not. I'm not. You're like... you're backing me in the corner where it's like you want me to fight here. I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. Eric, what do you want no, to talk I... about next? Oh, <laughs> Whatever you guys want to talk about. I'm, I'm an open book this week. Uh, I mean, I, I would love to hear, I'll be honest, so we, we can switch to a topic that I know you both of you guys have wanted to talk about, and I kind of poo-pooed it a couple of weeks ago, but I would love to hear Dave explain to me how this, like, Bulls documentary isn't just one big Jordan, like, you know, you know love fest. For the record, I am I am more on that train now than I was when this started. I I, I mean, first and foremost, just to clarify, this is a document. This documentary is the last dance, but it was Jordan was supposed to be the focal point. He's the money maker off the whole team. So like, they're giving every player. I mean, we talked about it the other week. Like Tony Kuko, he's throwing every player under the bus. I'm going to be honest. When I brought up Tony Kukoc last week, I should have said, I really hope the only way they, they – I really hope it doesn't come out that the only way they mention him is the Dream Team Olympics. Because, like, even my mother felt bad for him on that one. As like, dude, they're not, they, really, they really are not spending as much time as I expected them to on the actual last, you know, quote-unquote last dance season. Yeah. They're spending yeah. a lot of time in the history books, and I will agree it is – their moments to be able to like kiss Michael Jordan's ass. But you guys got to understand, I am biased as hell on this situation. I am a Michael Jordan lover. I'm a Bulls mm. lover. So there's literally well, that- nothing about this documentary so far that I have disliked or been bored with. Every time I watch this, I feel like I am 12, 13 years old and I am all for every single moment. Well, Listen, I'm for the stories. I'm for yeah. the stuff. And and I'll, I'll be honest with you. Jordan is the greatest player we'll, we'll ever get to see, probably. Like, yes. we didn't really see all of Magic's career and Bird's career and some of these other guys' careers. We saw a majority of in the main seasons of Jordan's career. That was, that was where you grew up, Dave. That was coming into the Bulls and, like, that was six year or eight year one there that, that, you know, six and eight years there that they had. And, you know, I, I get that you have all that love for him and I am not knocking Jordan as a player, mm-hmm. as a player. He is the, like, he, he's not, is he as athletic as LeBron? Probably not. Is he whatever else? Maybe, you know, uh, is he the greatest shooter of all time? No. Is he the greatest, you know, defender of all time? No, but, Everything about Jordan, his mentality, the way he approached the game, 
the way he played the game. He played the game angry, and that was the thing. That's the thing I'm taking away from this series is that I just wouldn't have pissed Jordan off. I would have yeah. just kissed his ass and called him the greatest and loved him and sent him birthday cards, and I would have kissed his ass because he can only play when he's pissed off, it seems like. When he gets pissed, he drops 55. If he's happy, he's 25. I want to keep him happy. Yeah. No, what do you need, some cigars and golf before we play? Hey, let's go out. What do we, we got to do here? You want to take a couple, couple bucks off me before we, you know, we'll get you in a good mood, man. Like, that's, if I was Barkley and those guys, man, I would have totally gone at him a different way because he had that killer mentality. You pissed him off. He wanted to murder you on the court. Yeah. If you loved him and gave him hugs, he didn't have that same mentality, it didn't seem like, all the time. Well, you so, definitely didn't uh, hear him know, say anything. takeaways I'm taking away. That was so well said, Eric. I, I mean, Eric, can, can you tell me one, the, if there was any part, though, of this thing that you had to love is the way he talks about Isaiah Thomas. He may be the second oh, best point guard, but he's still an asshole. Like you just got to so love listen, the fact. You can't tell me that it wasn't because of Jordan and he wasn't oh, yeah, on that no, Olympic that team. And like, and yeah, that's the can... one thing I'll say is the well, way Jordan is just throwing people under the bus, whether it's Horace Grant in this last one, or or the way they beat up on Ku Coach in the Olympics, or the way they, you know, he he had a bully mentality of we're, and I think that came from Isaiah and the Pistons and them getting the crap kicked out of him for a couple of years, and he was like, I want to do the crap kick, and I think I heard him say that a couple episodes ago. That's when he started weight training. That's when he started getting more physical, mm. and that's when his game really changed and they became champions. But I, I think it's that mentality of he got stomped into the ground when he was younger. And he was going to do the same to other people. Yeah. I will say this. First of all, Isaiah Thomas has always come off to me as the single most disingenuous human being of all time. So I don't really have a problem with anything he said about Isaiah Thomas. Is he the one who definitively said Isaiah can't be on the dream team? Listen, Isaiah and those Pistons pissed off everybody. When you got Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Carl Malone, and Scottie Pippen, in addition to Michael Jordan, saying we don't want to play with them, does it really matter if he was the one who was leading the charge? Because you got that's half the team. That's half the team that didn't want to play with him. And I'm sorry, Isaiah Thomas needed that dream team more than the dream team needed him. You don't look... Can we be honest, Mike, with the point you're making, though? A lot of moments in this show, it almost portrays Jordan as, like, a mob boss. Yes. So, like, they may, have been, with people that. That, they may have been people that kind of, you know, that agreed with what he was saying. But I have no question in my mind that he was the guy that actually had the balls to go to Chuck Daly and the Olympic Committee and be like, I'm not playing if you put Isaiah on the team. And there's several other guys on this team that agree with me. Like, he didn't have to say names or anything. He just walked in. And another thing you notice is, like, for how much we love Michael Jordan, the NBA was a major influence on that because never before that did they ever push a single person. Like, when they did Magic and Bird, they did Magic and Bird. Yeah. That was the first time they ever chose one singular player and really just – pushed him like they pushed LeBron and they you know they like mm -hmm. they realized that they could have one individual that can carry the league they're better off with multiple but having that one specific like let's be honest Charles Barkley if you gave him more camera time and he maybe didn't play in the city area like Phoenix when they made that finals like 
Charles Barkley probably would have been one hell of a personality and an easy guy to sell as well. But they really, like, he genuinely was kind of like the mob boss of, of the NBA. I, I definitely agree with that point. I, I'm not totally arguing with, with you on that, but you know Magic but do you think? Hold on, let me bring up a point real quick. Do you think that's why the NBA and the Bulls stuff were quick to kind of try to shuffle them out of the league? I mean, after this 98 season, let's be honest, he left the Bulls. I think he might have left basketball for a year or two before going to the Wizards, right? He did, and he then, did. yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then he went to the Wizards, and he just never got that. He was never the same Mike. It wasn't the same. It wasn't Jordan. It was It was like watching Montana with the Chiefs. It just wasn't the same. Uh, you know, regardless of if he was putting up, you know, better than 20 a game and whatever else. Like, it, it, it just seemed like the league was quick to move from the older generation of the Magic, the Bird, the Jordan, uh Isaiah, like those kind of guys, Ewing, and they moved really quick to a younger squad, which started with Kobe and Garnett and Duncan, and then they just continued with that younger trend. I mean, shy of a few guys sticking around for a long time, most of the NBA is is a lot of young stars. The best players in the NBA outside of LeBron or, you know, like Guyanis, he's still in his 20s. You got Steph, you got these other guys, they're, they're still not that old. I, I don't know. I just feel like the league was quick to shuffle Jordan out when you see guys like Kobe get a swan song season and these other guys get, you know, the, the tours and everything else. And, and I know Jordan had his number retired in a couple of places and whatever else. It wasn't the same. It, it just felt like they kind of, kind of ushered him out kind of quickly, in my opinion. I don't know how you guys feel. Uh, honestly, Mike, if you don't mind. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, honestly, I, I think the one point that, you know, kind of goes along with what you're saying, Eric, is that, like, they really had a group of guys that they could shuffle that, like, it was easier to shuffle them out. Because you got to keep in mind, in 98, you had Iverson coming into his prime, Kobe coming into his prime, Shaq coming into his prime, Kevin Garnett starting to come into his prime, Ray Allen starting to come up. Like, so, like, they had a lot of different guys. Grant Hill was in the league by that point. You know, like, so they oh, had yeah. a I lot think of Paul, guys. There might have been a young Paul really... Pierce even in the league at that point. No, there was. Yeah, but... so uh, it was easy. Duncan, there we go. I see Cousin David throwing that in there. Like, Oh, Duncan's yeah, like, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, so, like, He's up I, there. I think you and them, him. Yeah, I think for them it, it, that you're right. They really did try to, like, kind of get him out. But I think they also did that with the confidence of knowing that they really had some guys. I mean – we all know, like, those guys that I just mentioned really were some really special players to get to watch. And, I mean, I love Iverson, but I'll never forget when he crossed up Jordan and how much I just was bothered by that. <laughs> I just was so bothered. I took it personal. Uh, my, my only pushback on that is two things. Uh, number one, I think I don't think it was they wanted Jordan out of the league so much as they didn't really – I think they honestly thought he would come back for the next season, and that's why you didn't see a farewell tour. I didn't think anybody really believed that this was it for him. And also, you talk about all those young players. None of them were ready to really fill the shoes in terms of being the next face of the NBA at that point. Like, they were all still coming into their own. And if you look at who was in the finals the next year, it was the Spurs and it was the Knicks. 
Like, yeah, you had Duncan on that Spurs team, but Robinson was the one who got the attention because he was retiring right. A- he retired right after those. Finals. Oh, he's the Twin Towers. Everybody talks about yeah, the, the Twin Towers. Yeah. yeah, but Robinson is the one who got a lot of the attention that year because he had done so much for the NBA and because you knew that that, that would probably be his last year too. I'm not saying Duncan didn't get attention; he absolutely did. But Robinson, this was looked at as his swan song. So I think it might have been his swan song, but he wasn't the better player. Duncan. I'm not saying that. Not not saying that. Not saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying they had a young guy. They had an up and coming. I'm just saying it just seemed like the league to me switched pretty quick to a different a different style of play even than and now than than that physical older style of play. Yeah, but. Duncan was, and I love Duncan. Duncan is one of the greatest players who ever played the game. There's no question about that. Can you ever say there was a point in time where he was looked at as like the face of the NBA? I think the charm. The face, of, no, but that was yeah. only because he played in San Antonio, one of the yeah, smallest markets matter, in the though. NBA. They, you Dun- can't, it, it does. They Back won then, five championships in 15 years. No, but Mike, yeah, but it you, does the, matter when you have Kobe in LA. You got Kobe in L.A. Kobe was the face of the NBA. Shaq yeah, at the LA. time, especially when, when, when Duncan was the – No, no, but when Duncan was young, and, and that's when, like he said, like Dave was just saying, that the Spurs got that one, but then the Lakers kind of went on a roll there where they got a couple with with uh, Shaq and Kobe, and it just – he wasn't the face. To me, he was always one of the one, two, or three best players in the NBA – because of all the different ways he played the game. But I, as far as marketability, you're never going to market a guy the same way from San Antonio as you do in L.A. You can't use today's standards because back then there was no social media. There was no Facebook and, and, and Twitter and all this other stuff back when Duncan and these guys first started playing back in the late 90s. We still my, had dial-up modems back then, for God's push, sake. My pushback on that, the only pushback I'm going to say is you're talking about San Antonio the way that people talked about Chicago before Jordan came to the Bulls. And San Antonio was a little better off as a franchise than Chicago was before no, but Jordan Chicago's came But Chicago's the there. third biggest city in America. Yeah, but it wasn't looked at that in terms of a basketball perspective. In terms of a basketball perspective, it was not there. You heard what they said about Dave, how Chicago was thought of in a basketball frame at the beginning of this series. Chicago was no, not but, looked at that way. Mike, you, yes, you are correct. Chicago as a basketball team mm. was not looked at like that. But I can – Look at today's New York Knicks. They're not looked at like that, yet they sell out the Garden every year. They still get primetime games, and they're still one of the largest markets in the country. Chicago is exactly the same thing. Even though their basketball team wasn't good and they weren't selling out the stadium, they're still one of the largest markets in the country. So as soon as you get going with that, then all of a sudden, I mean, Chicago still to this day hasn't, not sold out their stadium and almost I think right after Rose got drafted and they still sell out even with their crap ass team they they put on the court yeah but you're leaving out the years after Jordan came like were they still selling out that year after Jordan left 
they may not have been selling out, but they still were a big market. They had Ben Gordon. They had, I mean, they still no, had yeah. Gordon. Gordon didn't come till a couple of years after that. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. they didn't go through any type, uh, any long enough lull to be completely knocked out of a top market. And that's where San Antonio was never a top market. So, like, that, I think that's the point Eric's trying to make is, like, I, I see what you're saying, but they just never were a top market. So, when you're not a top market, the NBA has a harder time advertising you because they're not going to make as much retail dollars. Where I, that's, that's, just, that's for, just for example, too, San Antonio, I mean, I can look it up, but I guarantee you the population is under a million. If you look up the population of Chicago, I guarantee you it's over three million people. To market in an area as small as San Antonio nationwide, a guy back in the 90s is not as easy as it is today. Today, with social media, with different, all the different platforms out there, you can market anybody anywhere in the world. You could not do that back then. Well, you could do it in Chicago with the Bulls because you had Jordan and you had, you had the fan base. You had those people. Regardless, you're not going to add any more to San Antonio. And at the time, there wasn't the marketability to put it out nationwide for a guy like Duncan. Plus, Duncan was never a flashy guy. He wasn't a Kobe. He wasn't a Jordan. And that was, he, he the, that was, the, appeal, that was the appeal of him. Throwing it down. He was the big fundamental. He's talked about more like a Jeter than he is a Jordan. And that's, that's, the, that's the different comparison I'll give you there. Um, well, that's that's I, I a, that's a fair really comparison. Not. I actually like that comparison. That's a good one. Um, they, there's two things I want to bring up as far as this series goes. Um, I have a bone to pick with this series, um, just for the fact. I mean, I knew it was coming. That '93 conference finals against the Knicks. I knew it was coming, and that was the part of this whole thing I was going to hate the most. Because that I'm not going to lie. That was my first year watching, following the NBA day to day. So I have a little bit more of affinity for that 93 team than anyone else. But they, they left something out of that documentary. And I feel like they missed out by leaving this out in terms of their narrative. So they focused on the gambling in episode six. And then you get to the Knicks series. And after the two losses, and Jordan and his dad going to Atlantic City, he gets the media bombardment and everything. And then they go into game three, and Phil Jackson was like, he reacted. Well, he didn't really react in terms of points scored in game three because what they left out is in that game three, Jordan went three for 18 from the field. Uh, what they could have done is put it to the narrative of even when his shot isn't falling, he still found a way to help the team because he went 16 for 17 from the free throw line. He had 11 assists that game. They mentioned the defense and the aggressiveness and everything. Pippen is the one who went off in that game. Pippen was damn near perfect in that game. He went 10 for 12 for the field. So I didn't like the fact that they left that out. Not a huge thing. I'm probably nitpicking. I really hated the fact that we had to relive Charles Smith's fucking layups in game five. I hated that. And they are leaving things out of this. I mean, besides just that, in 92, in those finals against Clyde Drexler, like he talked about the fact that he didn't like being compared to Clyde Drexler, which I totally get because Clyde Drexler is great and everything. Clyde Drexler was never in Jordan's class. So I get that. And, you know, we saw him make him Drexler pay for it on the court and everything. Apparently, that continued over to the Dream Team because I read 
that apparently Jordan rode Drexler the entire time they were in Barcelona to the fact to the point where people had to tell him to lay off Drexler. So they're not leaving out big things, but if you're going to do something like this and you're bringing up the gambling and you're bringing him not endorsing the guy in North Carolina, you're obviously not trying to leave things on the table. I, 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 these are things you shouldn't be leaving on the table, in my opinion. Dave, I so want your let me, let me uh, no, real quick. I'll ask both of you guys this. Do you think that he did that and he had that? Because we've talked you know, a couple times now about Jordan's mentality towards certain people and whether he liked him, didn't like him, how hard he gave a time of him. Like, I know, you know, we heard what he didn't really have great things to say about Horace Grant. He's throwing some other teammates under the bus. Do you think that this is just another one of those things where uh, Jordan, you know, used it as motivation. He picked on Drexler to, to kind of get him fired up because then he would say something back that would piss Jordan off and Jordan would use it as motivation on the court. I almost wonder if it was a psychological thing for Jordan. Of he had to do it because he had to find a way. He had to find an angle to amp himself up in some way to prove to somebody something. Well, I totally agree with that. And, Dave, I want your thoughts. But Michael Wilbaum tells this story, to go to your point, Eric, about how he, when he was writing for a newspaper, his newspaper sent him to Chicago, a game that they were playing against the Charlotte Hornets during Alonzo Mourning's rookie season. Apparently, Mourning started off scoring all these points, doing a lot more than anybody really thought he was going to be able to do. So he started asking Jordan about Alonzo, and Jordan was so incensed that Wilbon came up to him to ask him about a Georgetown Hoya player that he he said to Wilbon, are you still going to write the story about him if he scores nothing tonight? And when Jordan was on the court, Alonzo Mourning apparently didn't score any points when Jordan was on the court. So to go to your point, absolutely, he any little thing, he used his motivation. Dave, go ahead. All right. So first and foremost, I, I want to go back um, – to the point you were making about them not pointing out that Jordan had that bad game. Yeah. Um, and that it, was it was one really of his worst kind of, it, playoff games yeah, ever. And it was like really Pippen that kind of really carried the team. Yeah. I think that connects with what Eric said that like, even though this is a documentary about the last dance and that final season together, this really is kind of like kiss Michael Jordan's ass documentary. <clears throat> so, Here's I just wanted thing. to point that out you that it really kind of con- that connect what you said connects with what Eric said. Yeah, but here's uh, the thing: you could have put that in there in a way that still would have been kissing Jordan's ass because it goes to the mentality of the player that even when his shot isn't falling, he still found ways to contribute and help his team win because he had 11 assists and went 16 for 17 from the free throw line. That's a missed opportunity there, in my opinion. But I'm sorry, Dave. No, no, I agree. It should, but again, it, it no matter what, it, it it goes back to what Eric said before about the kiss ass part. Yeah. Um, and then I'm sorry, I was so focused on making sure I said that that I, I forgot my um, <laughs> shit. Well, so Eric, I was holding on to that from the minute you said it. Now I lost what I was trying to say. Well, Eric, just to reiterate what Eric said to kind of jog the memory, he's talking about every little thing Jordan would use as motivation to go after someone to use it on the yep. court. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. So to me, my only response to that is it's the only time in my life 
that I would actually believe that quote-unquote bullet bulletin board material impacts the outcome of a game. Because Michael Jordan was the guy where he had his own mental bulletin board and he took any little thing he could think of. Like he talked about how Jerry Krause loved Dan Marley and thought Dan Marley was this great defender. So he had to show Krause that he was wrong and show Marley that he's not as good of a defender as Krause thinks he is. So he, every time he could, he went after Dan Marley. Like it's, he is that guy, like Eric said before, he is that guy that will literally take any single thing he could think of that denies what he thinks of himself or his abilities as a player so that he could motivate himself to go out there and do show you that you're wrong. Even though you probably didn't even believe what he's telling himself you believe, he still has to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. And again, that I think that's honestly what separates him from any player that's ever played the game of basketball and maybe ever will play the game of basketball. He just had a mentality that was different. Like Kobe's the closest thing we've seen to it. And even Kobe, the only time you ever saw Jordan laughing and joking with a team, uh, uh, the other team was if they were up by 20 and he was on the court mm. or an all-star game. And that was it. Like he wasn't somebody that took a game, anything less than I'm going to kill you or you're going to kill me. Hey, so yeah, he, he was the, he may be the only true ever moment of, being affected by quote-unquote bulletin board material yeah and eric i'll go back to you but i also want to say in terms of other things they've left out of this series you know the the because they're probably going to bring up him punching steve kerr at some point they left out the fact that apparently he also punched will purdue the player that they were talking about when they were talking about sam smith's book coming out uh, the player that Jordan told teammates not to pass the ball to was Bill Cartwright because apparently he rode Bill Cartwright real heavy the first couple seasons he was there because that was the guy that Krause got for Charles Oakley. So he rode him a whole bunch. And it's like these aren't big things that they're leaving out, but they're things that, like, if you don't want to leave things on the table because a documentary like this is pretty obvious – you didn't have enough material from that 97-98 season to make a documentary just in and of itself. That, that much is apparent. You didn't have enough material for that. So if you're going to go through his whole career, go through everything. Like the fact that they didn't talk about the freeze-out in that all-star game that Jordan was a part of, that we all know about, that Isaiah Thomas supposedly led the freeze-out on him. I think it was the 86, uh, maybe 86 or 87 all-star game. We all know what I'm talking about. They didn't even touch on that in this. So, Eric, what do you say? No, I, I agree. I think they're leaving some things out, but I think they're doing that as this is like an homage to Jordan. So, I, mm. I don't know. I uh, just That's the way I feel about it. But, hey, this is what it is. I'm still watching it. I just eh. – like, uh, I, I think if I was a Bulls fan or a Jordan fan – Growing up, I'm sure I would have those same feels Dave has. Growing up a Nick fan, I'm just watching it going, man, Jordan, you know. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's great. That mentality is what made him the greatest we'll ever see. I just, you know, I don't know if the documentary was necessary, but that made it was just time they wanted to give Jordan some love for some reason. Maybe they felt like LeBron was getting too much. Well, 
you know, the the reason that because Jordan apparently agreed to do this to release the footage the day of the parade for LeBron James and the Cavaliers beating the Warriors back in 2016. Apparently, that was the day he gave approval for this. So Jordan didn't want to be out of the spotlight on this. Um, I, Dave, yeah, I, he doesn't want he doesn't want to say I got to show that I'm better than LeBron, so you guys know, because yeah. he's like you know he's a more quote unquote grown man. So he's like, I don't want to actually have to say, let me remind you guys why I'm better than LeBron. But yeah, that's exactly why he said, yeah, release it because I need to remind everybody why I'm the greatest to ever play this game. Mm, yeah, and. Eric, like like I've said a couple times, I'm I'm less excited for this thing now than I was after the first two weeks. Because in my opinion, let's talk about something we haven't talked about. Because I thought the best moment of this series, besides the first two episodes, was that all-star game and Kobe Bryant being a part of it. And the fact that they dedicated that episode to Kobe Bryant. I thought that was awesome the way they did that. You hear Kobe Bryant speak about Jordan a little bit. Loved that. What Dave, go ahead. Yeah, it was kind of a cheer, uh, uh, an emotional moment. I mean, just being somebody that really felt like Kobe was the only guy I ever got a chance to watch that, you know, reminded me of Jordan's game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I – it was nice to see, and the worst part is, like, in all honesty, there's so much more about the relationship that they had that, like, they didn't even come close. You know, you guys are talking about keeping things out. Like, you want to talk about keeping some things out. Like, holy crap. Like, there's so much more they could have shown when it came down to what their relationship was. Mm. Yeah, but, you know, it's fitting that they did it like that because maybe I'm by myself here. Until Michael Jordan speaking at Kobe's memorial, I didn't know they were that close. So it makes sense that they leave out a lot of their relationship because it's pretty obvious there's a lot about that relationship we'll never know about because we didn't know about it for 20 years. So there's that. I am um, – Eric, you want to throw a couple words in on that? Because I got something else I want to talk about for this. No, no, we can talk. We can move on. We're good. Well, I mean, I want to stay with this, but there's another part of this because I'm interested to hear you guys' thoughts. Uh, The political aspect that they brought up in episode five, how he didn't want to give the endorsement uh, for Harvey Gantt. Now, I never heard this told like this, but I know I've heard kind of rumblings about this when you hear about all the athletes now picking up political causes. You always hear an, an allusion to this, but you never heard the bulk of everything until this. And I wanted to know what you guys thought about this because my, my personal opinion, I don't blame Jordan for not wanting to come out and endorse a guy that he didn't know. That Republicans buy sneakers two line is a terrible look. It's a horrible look. But, you know, we live in an age where every athlete feels like they have to pick up a political cause. And it's great and everything, more power to them, everything. I like the idea of a guy just thinking of himself as a basketball player and nothing more. You know, it's almost refreshing to me. So what would you guys think of that? Dave, go ahead. Uh, I mean, look, I'm kind of more of the – I'll be honest, more of the fan of the – LeBron idea of um, more than just basketball because I mean let's be honest 
I don't know about you guys, but like, I feel like I'm more than just a person that works at, you know, a company. And that's really kind of what that mentality is. At the same time, though, the one thing I will say is that I don't blame a man not being willing to endorse somebody that he doesn't know. He's never talked to. He's never met. And mm -hmm. when it's all said and done. Like he knows as much about that guy as he does, you know, the guy he's running against. So, I mean, if you're telling him he should have endorsed him just because he was an African American, then I, I think you're, you're, you're taking it to a level that you don't want it to go to. Um, but at the same time, I see their point because, you know, you heard the guy's fucking comment after he won that they won't be dancing in Mudville tonight. Like, that's a racist comment. Yeah. So, you know. Jesse Helms I, was I, a horrible I, person. Yeah. Like, so I can see why the African-American community would be upset with him. But overall, <clears throat> it's just... It, he didn't want to endorse somebody that he didn't know and didn't know anything about. And I'm not going to blame a man for not wanting to commit his name to something that he literally has no concept of. Mm. Yeah. Eric. Oh, this is one of my least favorite topics. I honestly hate, hate, hate politics and sports. I just hate it. My politics, my sports separate. But in this case, uh, you know, I, I side with Jordan. I really, I don't have as much a problem with the comment. I'm going to go out on the record and say Jesse Holmes is a terrible person. If you've ever been whatever he was, governor or senator or whatever the hell he was, we're in, in North Carolina, no, he shouldn't have been. He, people like that shouldn't ever be allowed to be in power. And it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. People like that are just shitty people. Yep. It's bottom line. Mm-hmm. But I also agree with the fact that if you don't know the guy, the other guy that's running, you just don't blindly endorse somebody. So, I, and for Jordan, the line of, well, Republicans buy shoes too. I'm fine with that line. Listen, everybody buys shoes. Why are you going to kill your own brand? Listen, if that's what LeBron wants to do and these other guys want to do, they want to pick sides. They want to feel like they have a cause. Dave, I agree with you. We're all more than just where we work. We're more than what we are. But Jordan was thinking more than just basketball, too, in that thing. He wasn't thinking about being on the court. He wasn't thinking about playing. He was thinking about, hey, listen, I got a business, and I'm trying to make money. Am I going to piss off half my customer base? No. I, he, he wasn't just thinking about basketball. He was thinking about business and how things were going to transpire later down the road if he, were, if he were to just take this endorsement based on race. And, and, and I think that, you know, that's the other thing that's, that's shitty about this, too, is that the race factor has to come in. Because he's an, an African-American guy. And Michael Jordan, you know, being as highly, you know, profiled as he is as an African-American, you know, I just get to feel that pressure of, oh, well, he's African-American. So I just see, you know, yeah, you got to blindly vote for him. No, I don't think that's right either. So it's just it's a weird situation. I agree with what Jordan did. I think it was best for him. I think it was best for his, for his brand and him overall as a, as a person. I don't think it really hurt him at all in the long run of things and in the end he really just kept his politics to himself and i'm cool with that so i don't have a problem with what jordan did i have more of a problem with the executive from adidas we haven't talked about yet who was like no we're not going to give michael jordan his own shoe line he's just gonna have shoes <laughs> like, that, that to me is the dumbest fucking thing to come out of this whole thing that is like joe exotic stupid 
I mean, that is just a level <laughs> of uh, – I mean, that guy – Honestly, he 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 might be the dumbest guy on the planet. I don't know any any worse business decision I've ever heard of. Yeah, it's pretty bad. That that was that was pretty bad. I will I will say that he wanted to sign with your company. You forced him to go with Nike, who was a smaller brand. He made them into bazillionaires. Yeah, you sir are. <laughs> no, say say loser. say your line from uh, what was it? Happy Gilmore a couple weeks ago. Say your line. Uh, no, again. no, it was uh, it was uh, you know yeah it was it was the uh, the Billy Madison line yeah. yeah but yeah. it was it just that's what it is. It, he is that dumb, and I don't know what your guys' thoughts on that, but I don't honestly I don't think I've ever heard of a worse business decision in my life well converse was pretty bad too like i got i get that they had all the stars and everything but the idea is we don't see you as being a bigger star than what we already have good job there well, i mean they did have magic and bird at the time and at the time they were still the ones winning championships so yeah it's not as bad saying, not oh, listen we can't put you above them you'd have to be with them so i can see converse's angle adidas had no angle they're just morons <laughs> well, I mean, David Fox said right off the bat, yeah, we didn't like the way that Adidas was run as a company or something like that. They were mismanaged. Yeah, definitely mismanaged. Missed the ball on that one. The last thing I want to say about this, and then we can move on to something else here. Um, copycats. The problem with something like this coming out, and it's well-made and everything. As much as I'm not as excited about it as I was at the beginning, it's well-made. Um, we're going to see a lot of copycats and a lot of people trying to jump on this train over the next couple of years. ESPN has already announced that they're um, upping production on three 30 for 30 documentaries that are apparently going to come out towards the end of May and in June. One on Lance Armstrong, one on Bruce Lee, one on the summer of 1998 and the home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And you've also heard... Apparently, they did something like this where they filmed a bunch of footage during Kobe Bryant's last season, and Magic Johnson even came out saying that he's got a bunch of footage for a documentary. I don't know what you guys' thoughts is, but I, I don't think chronicling Kobe Bryant's last season would be the same as chronicling Jordan's last season. And Unless you're going to talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's last season in the NBA, I don't really see the point of doing one of these on Magic Johnson. But I, I, I'm curious to see what you guys think on this. Eric, you could start. No, I mean, I don't have any interest in other ones. Um, unless there's maybe a Yankee one coming down the line. I mean, I think some of them are just grabbing at straws there. I mean, like you said, Kobe's last season. And to be honest, this wasn't Jordan's last season they're talking about. The 97-98 last dance isn't Jordan's last season. He came back and he played with the Wizards. He played again. It wasn't wasn't the same. So, I mean, the Kobe Swan song yeah, one, but I if, if I a may. little too weird, a little too creepy, a little too soon yeah. the Kobe one. I think maybe down the line, if you want to do something for Kobe, I'm okay. Magic Johnson's another guy, though, but he, he has a couple different storylines you can go with, so I could see something being done on him. Um, he put, Between the different stars he played with, the, the help things he went through, I mean, everything, he, he, you could get something, something probably pretty good on Magic Johnson. Um, the home run chase is probably interesting, but knowing how juiced up those guys were and 
Sosa corking bats and juicing and everything else. It just kind of paints it slightly for me, although I could still tell you where I was exactly when I watched Mark McGuire hit that home run. Me too. Uh, I, you know, his record-breaking home run. I, You know, it just still doesn't mean as much knowing kind of those guys cheated to do it. So I'd be lukewarm on that. I don't know. I got. I, I just actually watched another TV show. I was going to bring up that I think would be much better than some of these documentaries. I got to be honest. I got zero interest in the Bruce Lee documentary and close to no interest on Lance Armstrong. I think I know enough about Lance Armstrong. I don't need to watch ten episodes of him biking through the mountains of France and dealing with cancer. I'm good well, I with think, that. We've heard think, the stories. I think the cheating, Lance- all that. I think I'm good. I think the Lance Armstrong one is only one episode, to be fair. But uh, Listen, unless, I, unless Cheryl Crow's singing it, I, I'm out on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I, I'll say this. as Yes, you're right. These were not technically Jordan's last season. He played with the Washington Wizards for two seasons. But I think most people look at those as most people look at the Ghostbusters in 2016. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. We don't acknowledge it. We act like it didn't happen. Dave, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, when I think about those, all the multiple documentaries, I I, I could pass. Um, I would be honest, like the Kobe one, that, that, that has to wait. It'd be way too soon after his passing to do something like that. That has to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the idea, other ones, I'll be honest, the one that did intrigue me that I heard about was actually the Yankee one with the last run with, you know, that core group that they had. Um, you know, I think oh, I didn't even know that was an option. Yeah, that, that last uh, World Series that that core group won together, I think that would be kind of cool, to be honest with you. And I'm not even a baseball fan. But I think that one would be kind of cool, especially just – knowing how long a baseball season is like i think for somebody like myself it would kind of paint a clearer picture of like the true marathon a season can be and how exhausting it is and you know just kind of seeing that stuff and not to mention jeter's always with a hot chick so i'd happily you know watch that as well um but yeah so i i i don't need all these freaking documentaries they don't need to go insane with them but you want to occasionally sprinkle one in every now and then I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. I I'm, I'm telling David cousin David to be quiet in the chat room. Cause of course he throws his little comment in there. That I'm not even going to dignify by putting on the air, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good on the documentaries after this too. Truthfully. But I, t- I tell you what, Eric, you brought up Tiger King. I'm curious. As- no, 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 but there's, there's one more documentary though. We got to talk about it. Unless you want to go to Tiger King first. Go ahead. Go to Tiger King. Go to Tiger King, and then I'll I'll piggyback off the of Tiger King. Well, the fact is that apparently there are two series coming out about Tiger King. One of them they just announced they got Nick Cage to play uh, Joe Exotic, and then the other one, Kate McKinnon, is going to play Carol Baskin. Dude, I don't need a scripted series about this because you don't need to dramatize anything. You don't. Whenever you do these scripted series you always add things in or take things out for dramatic effect. Dude, we got, we got it. We got it. We, we, we understand it. That's it. I don't need anything else about fucking Tiger King. I don't. Eric, Eric, I'll let you answer that one first. No, no, I agree. We heard it right from the, right from the Joe Exotic's mouth. We don't, we don't need it from, from Nick Cage 
being Joe Exotic. I mean, Nick Cage is is, a, is an interesting figure. I'll give him that. And uh, I mean, it, you know, an interesting actor and, and choice for the role. But I, I just I, I've already seen the role, and I don't, you're not going to play it better than the actual people. So uh, I'm good with what I saw on Tiger King. So Dave, uh, I'll let you uh, you answer. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I'm good. The, the docu the documentary was enough. The eight or nine episodes we got. I personally thought the new episode they did, the little interview thing, was horrible. But whatever. Horrible. Uh, yeah, not good. Yeah, but like, like I mean, all in all, no, I don't need to see Nick Cage do that. If anything, give me another National Treasure movie. If you're going to give me Nick Cage again, supposedly. Oh no! What works. I do want to give you though is a new show. This is a new show. You, you you guys need to see it. If you've seen Tiger King, it's Tiger King adjacent. It has nothing to do about animals. It, it's, it's a show that just premiered last night on True TV. It's called Turdy Works. Turdy Works? And there's a woman in Maine who walks around and collects animal shit, mainly moose shit. <laughs> Makes things out of it and sells it at craft fairs. She has now run a business, a successful enough business to be taking orders, going to different craft fairs with her shitty products. And it is now a docuseries. She's in a podunk town in the middle of Maine of like 500 people. There's only four paved roads in the whole town. And... She's pretty much queen of shit, though. It is, it is the cast of characters you see. I am telling you when you watch this, it is Joe Exotic adjacent. It is Tiger King adjacent. She is the shitty king of Maine. She, you, you, it is, I can't describe it. It's weird. It's wild. And you, you just, I, I, I highly recommend right now. It is, it's, it's some funny shit, literally. Dave, you want Dave, you want to take that one? I don't even really know what to say to that. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm gonna probably pass on watching that and just you know take your word for it. But at one point, she's sitting there doing an interview, and she's got a table full of shit. She's like, you know, putting together, and she goes to like do something on her face and sticks her finger in her mouth, and then she realizes that she was just touching shit. She pulls out, she goes, ah, oh, I just stuck the shit finger in my mouth. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. She's Stop. only, she's, a, she's a, 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 it's a lesbian lady who's married to, to a woman who got married, I guess, back in 2006. She stole her wife from a, a marriage who, her, wa- her wife was previously married to a guy for 25 years. They've, like, adopted three kids. It, it's wild. I'm just telling you, it's worth a watch. It's 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 just something. If you got if you got time, everybody's got time now. Where everybody's still social distancing and doing whatever. I I, I can't I can't describe it any better than that. It is the shittiest show on television. Uh, I, uh, I I I I I I really don't even know what to say to that. I don't know what to say. To I that. think your mom would watch it, Mike. I think I think if your mom is well, I want to. I want to give a shout out to my mom. Mama, right? you, you, should, you should watch this. Let me know what you think. And I bet you that we can convince your son to, to watch it. I, I would 
I would bet. No, I, I would put my money on that. Well, I mean, my mother apparently just texted me that she passed out and didn't remember about the show. So she, she ain't listening at the moment. But um, I oh, want to wow. throw I want to throw a shout out to her real quick because, you know, we're talking about Joe Exotic adjacent shows. Has anybody ever heard of the Trailer Park Boys? Yeah, I heard of oh. it. I never watched it. I've, okay. I've heard of them from back, back when. I, yeah, I don't know. Okay. So my mother got into this show about 10 years ago. She loved this show for the longest time. And for some reason, I decided to start watching because they're all on Netflix, all the episodes. It is like, I'm going to be honest, if Joe Exotic wasn't on already a thing, I would call this the dumbest thing ever. But the first few seasons i'd say are really funny like it's got that cast of characters that you know you don't want to be like but unlike joe exotic you can actually get behind some of the characters in this show because like they're all stupid and everything but it's just funny watching every season ends with at least one of them going to jail and you know the one guy is a fucking moron he just wants to grow weed and everything and it always winds up blowing up in his face and it's just I would watch that show again. Speaking of which, Turdy Works in oh, the show has shown a preview where they are going to preview a, they're going to sell a little potted plant where they're going to plant a moose turd and then a marijuana seed in the moose turd and sell it so that people can grow, go home and grow the moose turd marijuana. I'm yeah, because that's, that, that's what I want to smoke. I am so happy me talking about <laughs> trailer. No, me me talking about trailer anyway? park boys triggered that thought for you. I'm so happy I did No, no, that. no that's not a thought. That's a real thing she's doing on the show. That's not a thought. That's not anything I came up with. I watched that about an hour ago on TV as a preview for what's coming up later in the season. Yeah, but my point is you didn't remember to bring that up until I brought up trailer park boys. That's nice. That's good. Um, oh my God. Uh, I, I, Eric, for the love of God, will you bring up Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez possibly buying the Mets so we can get off this fucking thing, please? I guess if that's where you want to go, I, I haven't heard much about it. So I think it's a little quieter since they had their biggest investor backed out from what I heard. So I don't think that that deal is going through from what I heard. J-Lo and A-Rod are looking for, for new money right now. And until they get that, I, I don't think anything's going to happen. But I don't know. Maybe you've heard different. That, that, that's, that's the feel I'm getting from the situation. Well, I mean, obviously, we've forgotten to bring it up over the last couple of weeks. So I didn't want to forget to do it today. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. And, you know, it's funny. Leave it to the Wilpons. You want to sell the team. You don't want to put S&Y in it. Apparently, you put all this debt on the Mets franchise that would only be paid off to an investor if you included S&Y. But God forbid you do that. You finally were smart enough not to let Jeff run the fucking thing if you sell it. But, um, you know, my first thought when A-Rod was, um, when it was brought up that he'd be the one to want to buy the team was... I don't like him, but I can think of much worse people to run the team, namely the people that are currently running it. So I think he'd do all right. I'm not going to pretend I'm excited for it, but at the very least, A-Rod has always been mentioned as a very good baseball mind. So I don't know. I don't know. I wanted to at least say that once this week. So Dave, do you have any thoughts on that one? Nah. Yeah, thanks. All right. 
Anybody got anything else you want to bring up tonight? I have one thing I want to ask you two. Um, I mean, it's nothing huge, but I, I kind of was curious to see what your excitement would be for it. Sure. Um, ESPN signed the contract with, I believe, the Korean Baseball League. I heard uh, about this. To air games six days a week. So knowing how much you guys actually love the game of baseball, I wasn't sure, like, how excited you were for that fact. You know, like, is that something that, like, you guys are going to check out? Because, I mean, it's not like they have, you know, shitty players out there. They have some pretty talented guys. So I was curious to know how excited you guys were for that. Well, I actually heard something on the radio today that kind of put a little bit of it in perspective for me. Because I guess there's some different teams out there, and we don't know any of the teams. So there's a guy, I think he goes by Brit Baseball, maybe, or British Baseball, something like that. And give like a little rundown for you of comparable teams that if you root for this team here in the States, you're probably going to like this team in the Korean League because they're very similar. Um, and I guess the team I'll be rooting for is the Bears. I don't know what city that is, I'll be honest, or the, the, the first name of it. I just know the Bears were compared to the Yankees, and that is the team that has the biggest chance to win the whole thing and is supposed to be the most talented and blah, blah, blah. So – they also have the most championships, I think, of any of the other teams and blah, blah, blah. So that, that, that's the team I think I'm going to try to focus on. If I'm going to watch Korean baseball, I'm going to want to watch the best Korean baseball. So I'm going to watch the Bears. There you go. Yo, I, I'm so surprised by that, Eric. You've always seemed like such an underdog type of guy. Um, I don't think – Whoa, 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 whoa. When I was growing up, it was a long time for me to get a championship as a Yankee fan. Yeah, well, I, was, I didn't have it easy as a kid. I didn't have it easy as a, you know, yeah, my Giants won a little bit here and there, but Alabama was another one. I, I didn't see many Alabama championships after the 92 season. They got in trouble for a long time. A little when? shitty until Nick Saban came along again. So I wouldn't say that I'm just up there well, in my church. I'm going through Let some down, down times, too. My down times just aren't as consistently down as your teams, like the Mets. When just, did you, yeah. when did when did you actually start like paying attention to sports like on a day to day basis? Like what age? Ninety. Would you... Now I would say nineteen ninety. I can remember the Giants Super Bowl. Okay, so you that had, was my you, had, you literally first had three clear seasons memory of a sports like of like watching a game and being into the game. You literally had three seasons where the Yankees sucked. You don't know shit about the underdog. No, 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 but I listen. I still grew up. I, I do know shit about it. You know, listen, I had five or six down years. Marilyn Monroe was my favorite player going up until I got to see Jeter for 20 years. But, uh, you know, listen, I, I, I – You guys made the playoffs in year – You guys made the playoffs in year five, and you would have made the playoffs in year four if not the strike. I don't want to hear I'm just saying, if I'm going to watch Korean baseball to get back on topic here, I just find that I'm going to want to watch the best team in Korea and not the worst team. I, that, that's all. I just want to. I want to. I want to check out with who who their best prospects are, who the best players are. I, I want to see good baseball. So if I'm going to tune in, that that's what I'm looking for. All I'm saying is, my first year as a baseball fan was the year of the Young Guns in '96. All right, even though I mean, truthfully, they came on at the end of '95. I was '95 well, was when I started, but I still had to deal with the fucking Young Guns. Dave don't even know what the Young Guns is. All right, that's how good they were. <laughs> right. Nope. Yep. No clue. Yep. Yeah. Look it up. It was a horrible fucking season. We lost 90 games. Um. Anyway, 
Um, I do want to, it was one thing, Dave, I'm glad you brought that up actually, uh, because I wanted to bring up one thing. Um, honestly, I'm not really that enthused about the Korean baseball. I may wind up checking it out, but you know, it's nice to have something to pass the time, but it's not, I don't think it's something I could fully get behind at this point. Maybe that changes in a little while, but I don't know. The idea of restarting. Oh, also too, if you guys just did, uh, not, not, unless anybody else has anything to talk here, I did have something else I want to bring up with you guys. Well, I want, I, let me just bring this up real quick and then you could go. Cause baseball has floated a number of ideas over the last week in terms of how to restart baseball. You know, there was the one that came out where they would all play in Arizona. Then there was the one that they would all play with the spring training divisions. And now the one that came out last week, was the idea that everybody would still play at their own home ballparks and everything, no fans, but they would basically combine the American League and the National League divisions into one big league. So, like, every team in the AL East and the NL East would be in one division, except the Atlanta Braves, which would be moved to the Central Division, and the Pirates would go to the East Division. But other than that, like, it's the AL and NL West combined AL and NL Central combined, and that that was the proposal that I was most behind. Truthfully, I was okay with that one. What I, I'm curious, Eric, what you thought of that one, though? No, I, I think that that's a good idea. Actually, I, it makes sense if you want to keep the regions kind of separate for right now. I, I get it. Um, if it's a way to restart where everybody's okay with it, then you know. Maybe do away with the actual league league thing, and you just everybody plays baseball in the different divisions, and at the end you you have a playoff and a championship. So, I uh, I think at some point it's got to be a shortened season, though. I definitely don't think anybody's getting 162 games in it. No, it sounds like they were think thinking it's about probably going to be about 100. 100, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I would like to see them do even. If they had to do a half season, do it go down to like a, a, ba- a basketball hockey number of eighty two, even. I'd be sure. We're going to play a short condensed condensed season and and moving on and and hope next year's uh, we're we're kind of back to normal uh, with the season. I I I think that's kind of the way they got to go with it. No, no, I I I'd be all for that. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, thoughts. Honestly, at this point, I'm I'm for anything that gets the sports. So if if that gets us there, then let's uh, let's get there. All right, go ahead, Eric. No, I wanted to transition. I mean, since we're talking sports, a good restart and whatever. I've been hearing rumblings about basketball possibly looking to restart and maybe just going straight into the playoffs. Um, cutting the end of the season off, going straight, having like a week or two to ramp up, and then just going straight into the playoffs. With that being said, everything you hear, everything anybody's seen, Durant looks ready to go. If Durant is one, should Durant come back? If he does, are they now the favorites in the East? And does he only come back if Kyrie and Kyrie's shoulder are okay? I I, I don't know. I, I would think that you got to come back no matter what with the money they're paying you the playoffs and from everything I'm hearing he is tearing it up right now and and healed so 
I'm interested to hear what you guys think about that and and about the just going straight into the playoffs and having kind of like a mini end-of-the-year tournament here. Well, we said this a few weeks ago. I'll say it again. I'm in favor of going straight into the playoffs. I'm also in favor of eliminating the first round and just have the top four teams from each conference being in. And as far as Kevin Durant goes, wouldn't even bother bringing him back because I get it. You well, know, then you would in. leave the Nets out. The Nets would be a bottom four team in the East. Yeah. No, I, de- I, I would definitely do that. But even if they don't do that, I'm saying – I get that you're paying him a lot of money, but you still got three more years left on the contract. I'm looking at it in terms yeah, but of you, an you know, if you got a chance to win and he's put, I don't think I don't level. think you have I, I don't think you have a chance to win because yeah, it's great he's playing at a top level in scrimmages or whatever, but that ain't actual basketball games. You don't yeah, know but how you got to remember, Diana's can't shoot, and the, and the, him having all this time off isn't making him shot any better. I just, I'm, I, I think if they brought Durant, if Durant came back and Kyrie's healthy, they're probably the favorites in the East. I, I would think. I don't know just, if I'd go. Uh, I just going into this with all this time off and everything else, give me the guys who could just ball, who could just go out there and play, street ball it up, and I, I think that's those guys. So I, 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 I think the Nets would be a very interesting playoff team. I, I think I that right now, the way it's sat, if they still went straight into the playoffs, they'd open up with Toronto. I, I, I don't know if I'd agree with that. But anyway, Dave, what do you say? Yeah, I'd be a big fan of that. And I, I think if the Nets brought Durant back, they would definitely be probably the favorite in the East. With Durant and Kyrie, and they have one hell of a rotation. Yeah, I, I would probably – I mean, Milwaukee is the only other team I think that would have a shot against them. Fair enough. Give a shout out to Fife. Fife just joined us in the chat room here. So, shout out to Fife. Safe travels, my friend. Hope mm. all is well. Yep. And give a shout out to my cousin David too for being with us this whole time here. Always shout appreciate it. David, Even always. though I don't, I don't like what he's putting in the chat room, but still got to give him a shout out there. But anyway, he does that just to piss me off, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> any other last things we'd like to talk about here? Anything well, if else? Wife's in the chat. I'd like to throw it to him real quick because I haven't heard anything. Has there been any NHL update? As far as – because now we're hearing basketball may just come in and go straight into the playoffs. Has the NHL talked about doing anything like that? Or are they still in kind of just a wait-and-see approach? I don't know if I chime in quick and let us know. But, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested to see. Because they're in the same boat as the, as the NBA. It would make sense if they kind of just did followed the same model. If they kind of got on the same page with each other, kind of with it, uh, I think it would help to make things, you know, run a little smoother for both sides. I, I don't know though. What well, do you guys think? I I have um I have a little thing from uh, my trade rumors app. It says the NFL is the NHL is hopeful they'll be able to initiate phase two in later May. That's all subject to review, and it's too early to start the review po- process. NHL is encouraged by the markets that are loosening up, but they're cautiously optimistic and monitoring carefully to see if there's any setbacks. Phase two is defined by the league and the players association as time during which players might return to small group activities in NHL club and training facilities. So uh, training camp for teams is phase three. 
And it looks like we're still several weeks away from players even gathering together to start skating in a best-case scenario. Oh, according to Fife, they're saying that uh, he's saying that they're considering a 24-team tourney style, starting with a best of three. That'd be interesting. Oh, see, I like that. Yeah, that actually sounds. I like that cool. idea. 24 yeah, teams. sounds like a fun idea. I think there's interesting ways that both of these leagues could do it that would get fans immediately interested, even if they're not there in the arena. To, to watch. I think some of these would be – like, that is a fun idea, actually. I, I think that's cool. I think the NBA just going straight into the playoffs is a good idea. Maybe they do something like that. I I, I kind of like the idea, and I think that it's going to bring some excitement back to sports immediately because you're, you're immediately jumping into games that matter. And I think that that's going to just, just get everybody excited again. I hope we get there sooner rather than later myself. Mm. But that's good. I, I like that idea. Thanks, Fife. No, he's saying um, then go to best of seven when they narrow it down, because when the season ended, you still had teams battling for a wild card, which I guess would be the reason for a 20 team tourney, because my first thought is that's that's interesting. That just seems like a lot of uh, that just seems like a lot of teams. So but if they were still like legitimate battles for wild card spots, I guess you kind of have to do it like that. So. Keeps, keeps the pitching to a minimum. Well said, Fife. Well said. All right. Anything else, guys? No, I'm excited. Uh, I got the Max Singer I'm about to go check out oh, after fantastic. we're done here. I'm, I'm excited. Final Five. I don't know if any of you guys watch it, but if you watch it, it's on, it's on Fox. I'm checking that out. Outside of Turdy Works, of course. Uh, that's the other program I'm checking out. I got Survivor I, I, tonight. I know Fife's a Survivor fan. Um, you got challenges on tonight. That Tonight's a big night for competition TV. You, you can get a lot of fun stuff in. I recommend it. Give it a try. Well, I, I tell you what, to get off of Turdy Works, you know, we were talking about documentaries a little while ago. The one I brought this up a couple times. I want to bring it up again. Dark Side of the Ring, a 10-episode documentary series on uh, Vice TV that I've been very interested by. I think last night was episode 10, uh, episode 8 for them. Episode 10 is going to be a very interesting one because they're going into the death of Owen Hart. And Dave, I don't I you know who Owen Hart is, right? No clue. Owen Hart is the brother of Bret Hart, who died in 1999 at a pay-per-view. He was up in the rafters. The idea was he was going to fly down and the, something happened with the harness. He just fell 18 feet and died while the pay-per-view is go, was going on. Um, very sad story. Um, I'm very interested to see this documentary because we've heard a lot of different sides of this over the years. The one person who has never been interviewed for this is Owen Hart's wife, Martha, and apparently they got her for this documentary. And Martha has been anti-WWF. She, so, she sued WWE for wrongful death. She has refused to allow Owen Hart to go in the WWE Hall of Fame. I am very interested to hear her side of the story. And I think we got two weeks till that one comes on. See this? I got to tell you, though, see, this is like something that's sad, though. It's, Where I watch Turdy Works because it makes me laugh. Like, it's just different kind of entertainment. <laughs> it's docu-series we're watching here. Like, 
I'm not, I'm not looking for a good cry. There's enough sad shit going on in the world. I'd rather watch this crazy lady make things out of shit and try and sell them at flea markets. I, I just, it's, I just, just different perspectives on things. Now, listen, I think it's a very interesting story. And believe it or not, I was actually watching that pay-per-view when that happened. Oh, I got that woken up. Was, I got woken up by my mother that night telling me it happened. Yeah, I no. So that, I remember yeah. it like it was back when I was more like into wrestling and stuff. So it was yeah. back in that heyday, and yeah. I remember it. So it is sad. I gotta be honest, though. It's just not a story I feel like reliving right now because we got no sad stuff going on. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I'll, tell, I'll tell you this: if you want something that might be of that line of thought, the one they had last night was about Herb Abrams who was this very eccentric person who tried to break into the wrestling business and started the Universal Wrestling Federation. And um, he died of a heart attack. When the cops found him, he was covered in cocaine and Vaseline with hookers. So that might be up your alley. And I was, I was hoping for some sort of reaction on that one. Nothing, huh? Okay. Fair enough. No, it's, it's it's interesting. Listen, I'm not saying it's it's not it's not interesting. It definitely is. It piques my interest when I give it a watch, maybe. But I uh, right now I'm I'm fascinated by people dressing up in masks and singing to me and uh, and people making shit out of shit. And uh, <laughs> Fife is Fife is mentioning uh, all American uh, drama by Netflix. It's a true inspired by a true story about. Spencer Pacinger. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know who Pacinger is. So, don't know if anybody. He's a football has... player. I believe. I believe sounds like a football player, player name. Yeah. Right. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, isn't it? Was he? Did he go into the military or something? I'm, I I don't want to confuse him with Pat Tillman. I don't know. Maybe if I could clear it up for us, give us a little background on, on pacing. I, I hope so, because it's going to take me a minute to look it up on Wikipedia. Um, but either way, there's a lot of fun stuff out there. I hope people are keeping themselves safe, keeping themselves entertained. Like I said, watch some competition. I like watching people win and lose. And uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm laughing at people making shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you got to. Ch- Check it out. I, my, Mike's gonna be harder to crack, I think. But you got you got to give it like one watch. Like go online, find a preview of it. You're, you're gonna you're gonna be like, all right, this is like I, I think Fife should give it a watch too. So it's a very Tiger King of Jace. <laughs> Apparently, Pacinger was drafted by the Giants in the 2011 draft. He played football six years. It looks like. So I, I off of his Wikipedia, I don't really know where the interest is but i'm sure that's why you got to watch the show so and fife fife you're a smart man i don't watch tiger king things good on fife <laughs> no, no no this isn't related to tiger king no but this it's isn't in- about animals it has nothing to do with animals this lady picks up shit puts googly eyes on it and, and sells it at craft fairs or she makes clocks she makes like moose clocks and sells them. You do. It's, it's weird, wild stuff in this podunk town in the middle of Maine. With, like I said, there's four roads in the whole town. It says go a town of 500 people. It's, it's an interesting story. I don't know if you get a chance. All right. With that, unless anybody's got anything else, I think that'll do it for us here tonight. 
Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Fucking tardy works. Good Lord, Eric. <laughs> Let's do some final thoughts here. Dave Hastings. Glad to know everybody's still safe and healthy. And until the next time, gentlemen. Yeah. Thank you very much, Dave. Eric Tressler. Uh, shout out to your cousin David. Shout out to Pipe. Five and you're on the road. Be safe, my friend. And until uh, next time, everybody, stay sweaty. Stay sweaty, my friend. Thank you, everybody, for listening in the chat. Thank you for everybody listening on all our podcasting outlets. We always appreciate it. I am your host, Mike Aglia Laurel, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs>